Hello, Matt Sutton. Or should we say Matthew Sutton? Uh, I prefer Matt. You can call me Matthew, though. <laughs> okay, so how old are you? A little introduction to yourself. Where are you from? What What's your current self up to? So, I'm 21 years old. Just turned the big, you know, 2-1. Kind of a huge deal. I'm originally, I was originally born in Rochester, New York, but um, I relocated to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania when I was about five or six, uh, and I've been there ever since. Um, my current self is actually, I'm at Brown University right now. Uh, I'm playing hockey here as well, studying applied math and computer science. Um, but if you really want, if you really want me to introduce, you know, my current, my actual current self, I would say... I'm a person who's a very competitive, hardworking, and hardworking, and I would say above that, I would, if I could describe myself in one word, it would be learner. Um, I'm constantly trying to learn and pick ideas up from many different people, and I think because of that, I'm someone who is getting exposed to millions of ideas and million ways of living and paths I can take in life. Um, and because of that, to be honest, I'm someone who's getting pulled in many different directions. Um, and I'm trying my hardest to pick these little pieces up and put the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, but I'm also in a, at a point in my life where I'm very kind of confused almost and trying to just, you know, I, I'm at like kind of a turning point because now I'm a junior and I'll be a senior next year and then it's into the real world. So I'm just... I'm a little sure. confused, but I'm I'm trying to you know make it through and Piece you know pick the together, path, yeah. yeah, and pick the direction I want. So yeah, what I find pretty interesting about you is that you are, since you were little, were a big part of the hockey community, and you've been pretty successful in that, if I might say. And when you're on that path, like it is just known in that world that you are on that path and you do not get off that path for a while. So I think what sets you apart from a lot of your peers is the fact that you take in all these puzzle pieces and information and you reassess and you're like, okay, I actually have this option and this option, but you still like pursue and push through this hockey thing as you do and you're successful at it yet like you really want to go somewhere else and you're figuring that out as you go mm -hmm. no but, for sure uh, I mean yeah I mean one thing I actually like, picked up on was you know obviously a lot of people when they're growing up they fall in love with the game of hockey and it kind of becomes you know their whole identity you know you see people on Instagram where it's literally like you know 15 out of their 16 posts are all hockey pictures or different stuff <laughs> like that. And it's like literally their whole personality and identity. And it was that way for me for a while until I turned about 18, late 17, early 18. And I think the reason I've kind of shifted away from that was because it was really actually affecting my mental health at the end of the day. Because if you just have one thing and that's all you're doing and, it's, and there's nothing wrong with it, like to get to the top of something you have to be kind of obsessed right right but you can fall into the trap where it's like you know if this is my whole life this is kind of how I'm judging my self-worth because it's my whole life so if I'm not playing well or I start to lose confidence in that my whole life is in shambles and I kind of go to it kind of goes to shit right you know because you're just again you're just associating all of your self-worth um to that one thing so did you I, I, did you feel a weird amount of pressure in the sense of 
like from yourself in the sense of you're like okay I've been obsessed with this I've been obsessed with this and now I need to like figure out some alternative routes do I need to be obsessed with those routes question mark like do I have to like have an obsession with these other routes in order to be just as successful or were you able to like find a really good balance between having this quote-unquote obsession with hockey but still being successful in these other prospects uh I think I found more of a balance to it yeah um at first was there a balance <laughs> no not no not at all yeah. not even close but I think a lot of it just came down to like a little bit of mental maturity um yeah. and just growing older and realizing that you know hockey's great and it's giving me so much but at the end of the day you know hockey's not life isn't just hockey right. there's many other things to explore many other things to do millions of different you know pathways as I kind of mentioned earlier um so I think it was just me growing up and kind of becoming a little bit more mature and kind of going off into like quote-unquote like more of the real world living by myself and you know realizing these different paths I could take and I found I was lucky enough to kind of stumble upon some other paths that I found really interesting and that um interesting but intellectually stimulating that I enjoy to do and um it's, it's really helped like you know kind of connecting it back to the mental health thing um you know if if one if, now that I have multiple areas in my life it's like well if hockey's not going well you know I have two other areas in my like school I have you know what I kind of my my job path or career path that I'm kind of thinking about going down uh, that I can kind of fall back on whereas before it was just hockey and if I fucked up in hockey my whole life was fucked up being someone who was on the hockey route myself and just being, I don't know, just a competitive athlete in general can really relate to this is the fact of like, we have this crazy experience of being in this super competitive world and learning so much and being involved in like a team environment and being asked so much from us when we're at such a young age. And I feel like something you can relate to is that we were able to kind of transform that energy into other things in the sense of having those leadership skills, that drive, that ability to be uh, have the drive to learn more, to be more coachable and kind of apply that to real world stuff, which can be really challenging for a lot of people. But it's crazy that you've been able to hone in on that skill and realize that. Yeah, definitely. One thing I would say is definitely the coachability aspect, like and. and any endeavor you go down you're gonna have to be coached at some point so being able to quickly change and improve um and you know take advice and act on it quickly is a is a very important skill in my opinion and another thing i would just say is i mean you know this hockey has this kind of culture of and I'm sure other sports and activities have this as well, but it's very common <laughs> in hockey where it's... We're you know, specifically talking about hockey at this yeah, podcast. Yeah. Let's just send it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's this culture in hockey where it's like getting better every day or like getting slightly better, 1% better every single day. And it's like, you know, the compound growth that you get from it. And, you know, it's been kind of ingrained into me since a young age. And now it's kind of my mindset with everything. Um, So, you know, if I'm trying to pick up a new skill, you know, you're kind of more process oriented almost. Like you can still have end goals in sight, but you're more process oriented where you're taking it, you know, day by day and just slowly improving like one day, one second, one rep at a time. And then 
you know, if you can kind of make your world small like that and just focus on the little process and the little details there, like everything's going to take care of itself. Yeah. Months, years down the line. Yeah, the big picture comes. So Mm -hmm. you kind of have talked and touched here and there about uh, mental health. So it's kind of been a big area of improvement in your life. Was your mental health ever just absolutely terrible? And you're like, wow, I really just need to make a transition and have a perspective shift. And when did that happen? Um, honestly, it happened over COVID. COVID was like Cheers. the best thing. Cheers to that one. <laughs> so, COVID was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Like I, I was just in such a deep mental hole. At that point, I was playing juniors. You know, I was taking a gap year between um, high school and college just to play hockey, um, and I was just in this really deep mental hole. And being able, or I guess we were forced to kind of stay at home, um, stay quarantined. And it it was good to be with my family, but um, you had so much time. I had so much time to myself where it was just like, I started researching different things, trying different techniques out. And just over time, I kind of started to slowly improve and get better. And um, I'm sure we'll touch on it later, but a big part of that was meditation. And then also, like I said before, just finding other areas of interest and kind of exploring around, so. Um, yeah, I talk about that quite a bit on this podcast, actually, is kind of just we're in the age of we all need to realize that we're not in a waiting room, we're in a dressing room in the sense of you need to be trying out a lot of different things, learning a whole lot of different things, not just kind of waiting around for all of those ideas and paths and answers to come to you. You have to go actively search for them and realize that you're not going to like some things and that you're really going to like some things. And it's your job to pursue those and take that as your own account accountability and responsibility oh i i 100 agree with that that's actually you put that perfectly like you, <laughs> you can't you actually can't be like passive in my opinion like being passive gets you kind of nowhere in this life especially you know with the age of technology everything's just getting so much more competitive and not right. even from that sense but just you know if you just sit around hoping something's going to come to you like the world owes you nothing no one owes you anything the world doesn't owe you anything like at the same time you like you can sit there and be passive and still get somewhere but it's not going to be where you want to be you're going to one day you're going to be like wait what the hell am I doing here I don't want to be doing any of this and it's going to be a long path to get to where you do want to be so the sooner that you're able to be active in your life and stop being passive is the second that you're able to like gain that success and success means so many different things to so many different people and that's kind of the beauty of life but again like stop being passive and being active in your life as you said is just the key element to all of that Mm -hmm. like becoming conscious of and and you don't even have to know where you your end goal is and where you want to end up but just the just the act of thinking about it and like you said trying different things out because something eventually something's going to stick and you're going to find that that course to set sail on and you're going to you know you're just going to go from there and um, right the wind's going to blow in your sails <laughs> <and> <laughs> you, know, you might you might get off course a little bit you might get like off track but then you just you know consciously pull yourself back onto it and keep going forward um yeah because like i said if you're just living passively like eventually you're going to get off course and you're just going to keep drifting and keep drifting until you right. realize so um, okay, so can you explain to the audience what Juniors is like? And also, a little 
quick one don't go too deep into it but like what your juniors experience was like from kind of you had a unique experience from when you first started juniors because you in a sense left high school early to do it mm-hmm. so the best way I can explain juniors is that in hockey's a weird sport that's really the the best way I can explain it um, in college there's um, a little over 60 division one teams now um, which seems like a good bit but compared to other sports like football baseball basketball like it's really nothing um, and because it's so small and so competitive it's like well coaches want to look for an advantage somewhere and they find that advantage through like kind of the cliche bigger older faster stronger guys um, so what a lot of people do is they take gap years you know be, you can play juniors between 16 and 21 you know you can take one gap year even up to four or five um, in some cases um, you take those gap years just kind of playing hockey it's you, you could consider it semi-professional where they're paying for most of it but you're not getting paid directly so you still get like food your equipment housing paid for um, but you're not getting any actual transfer of money to you but you just you're basically just playing hockey and trying to improve and develop so that you're ready to step in um, right but it's also game. such a challenge i feel like it's such a challenge for a lot of guys because you can get stuck in this loop first of all and like be digging for this hope and then also in the mm-hmm. sense of like you really have to stay on point mentally while you're in that situation because from my perspective on it tell me if I'm wrong but like really you're just playing hockey like that's all you're there for and that's it can be crazy <laughs> for an outside yeah. outsider's perspective like wow mm-hmm. they're literally just dedicating a year of their life to play hockey and they might go somewhere with this they might not mm-hmm. and like having that mindset to dedicate your life to do that is just something of the extraordinary in my opinion oh yeah 100 percent. and it's it's honestly way more stressful than people think because it, when I, you know, for example, in my experience, you know, when I'm playing juniors, and this is the case with, like, literally every other guy. Um, Which, you know, you're, also, you're, rewind, everyone, juniors, you can have Matt, who is technically finishing high school, but he was still in high school, so what, you were 18 or 17? I was 17 when I stepped in. Yeah. You were 17 when you stepped in, and you had, like, what, you were playing in the USHL, which is one of the top juniors leagues with 21-year-olds, like... Yeah, grown 20. men you're living yeah. with and playing with which is just <laughs> yeah, crazy like I, I, I can't even grow a beard i'm going through puberty <laughs> these guys are just like gorillas i'm playing against like 220 i'm skin and bones yeah um, yeah so yeah your like, voice is cracking on the ice <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, no yeah exactly and but it's very stressful to be honest because you gotta think like even though many of the guys, and especially USHL, I think, I think the statistics like ninety-five percent of the league is committed Division One. The other five percent goes straight to pro, or something like that, which is crazy. But you know that ninety-five percent who's committed to Division One, it's a verbal agreement. It's a handshake agreement. There's nothing in writing. You haven't signed your NLI yet. You haven't applied to the school yet. And because of that, it's so nerve-wracking because it's like if I don't perform in juniors. I could, I could be cut. They could decommit me, and then look at me. Um, you know, there's some guys I know who are 20, 21 years old, and they're not coming into a college, and they're two, three years out of high school, and it's like, what are you, 
kind of doing with your life and other people don't understand that you know if it doesn't work out so it is very very nerve-wracking at the end of the day and um that's it and honestly like again the the nervousness and it being so competitive and then like i said you know you're just doing hockey and it kind of becomes your whole life so if you're not doing well it just all kind of builds up into this pressure it's kind of like a pressure cooker and like it really just affects a lot of people's mental health and it, and it did mine as well right um okay so yeah juniors <coughs> and then you were lucky enough to get out of there which did you have the option were they like oh you can stay in here another year or were they like no let's full send you to brown right now so my coach called me beginning of my last year which was 1920 so that was the season you know COVID happened um he called me beginning of the year and he said you know i saw you play i think you're ready to come in you know you can have you can it's your decision you can stay another year if you'd like but we're comfortable with you coming in next year um so i did have that option and obviously like i said it's everything i just said before i took that option and made it i'm like i am coming in like i'm getting yeah, this, yeah. like set in stone <laughs> i will like, be there it, sign it, me yeah, up <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah so um yeah so i did my research on matt everyone as i do all my podcast guests and matt is extremely hard to research because i will ask him later about this but he doesn't have any social media besides what snapchat and even then he's terrible at checking that Um, So I had to Google him. And so all these articles come up and one of them um, I read, I'll read this out loud to you guys. Matt Sutton split the 2018-19 season with Gilmore Academy, which is the high school Matt and I went to. We actually stayed in a dorm together. That's how we're friends. And he split the season with Gilmore Academy and Chicago Steel of the USHL United States Hockey League helping the Steel claim the Eastern Conference Championship. Also, was that nuts? Oh, very nuts. And what's even more nuts is I was playing with kids who I will be watching in the NHL for the next 15 years. Like, I played with the the future number one overall pick on that team. Right, right. Yeah. Um, Anyway, he led Gilmore scoring, scoring during the 2018 campaign and also served as an assistant captain with a two-time national camp selection and then further on I read another article and it said uh, I had multiple options when it came to my college decision Sut said but to be honest it came down to what school slash program was the right fit for me I wanted to place that combined academics and athletics which Brown does interesting Matt <laughs> interesting Um, I think, again, what really sets you aside is the fact of it's easy for guys who are good at hockey to be like, all right, I'm going to go to this top school because it's the top hockey school. But for you, you really set it into perspective of like, no, Brown also has these unreal academics and especially with the program that you're studying, which is, can you repeat that? Which program are you Uh, in? I'm in Applied Mathematics Computer Science. Right. And so combining both the really good academics and athletics you just overall scored I feel like with Brown University no yeah it's been it's been great um what I can say to that is both my parents are engineers uh, my dad's an electrical my mom's a chemical engineer so obviously schooling and getting my education was like a very very important to them as well um 
And yeah, Brown was just a really good combination of both. Um, there's a there's a cliche saying um, in the student athlete world where it's like you have your social life, you have your sport, you have your academics. Pick two. Um, <laughs> and I think, in my opinion, I guess I haven't experienced any other schools, but Brown's a really good combination of all three, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I get all three sides. Um, you know, I, I talk to some guys at other schools, and they, you know, get two of the three. So they'll get school and academics, but they really don't have any social life out of that. Outside of that, um, some people have a social life and hockey, but they have you know the academics are horrible, um, right. or at least not. Not compared. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, rep your school, yeah. babe. Rep your school. Respect. Uh, um, so, yeah, it was, it was really a combination of, like, those three um, things and just being able to balance all of them that really attracted me to it. Um, yeah. And, you know, being able to use something that I've committed to my whole life to get me into an institution that I probably wouldn't have been able to get into on my own. Um, was a very rewarding experience so um like i said i'm, I'm doing applied math computer science so I'm, I'm pushing myself and trying to make the most out of it but it was an opportunity at the end of the day that i just couldn't pass up right um so in a lot of those articles well, in a couple of those i've read that you actually had a chance or were a prospect in the nhl draft possible third round um very interesting also congrats on that that's cool to even just be recognized for that but uh what is like this you mentioned before job path mm-hmm. are you looking to keep pursuing this ice hockey thing because you have a chance to do that or are you looking to more pursue the career path and again i know that you talked about how you're kind of in this wobbly stage right now where you're trying to figure mm-hmm. that out but what's your perspective on that at the moment uh, so I tell people, I mean, I get this question a lot, and I think a lot in terms of opportunity cost. So if I'm doing one thing, that's taking away, away time from another thing. Um, and it really comes down to just what opportunity I get coming out of school. You know, if I somehow get an NHL contract deal coming out of school, I think I would be a fool not to experience that um, and go that path. But, you know, if I'm not getting any looks, and you know it kind of took a turn for the worst and it's like you know i'm i'm really interested in quantitative finance i had an internship this past summer um with a hedge fund and you know i i love that kind of that career path and that topic of quantitative finance so um (laughs) i mean it's really like i said it really comes down to opportunity cost you know what opportunity i get if i if i get something really good um, like a good opportunity for hockey then I'll take that and if not I'm I'm pretty comfortable at this point letting it go and kind of stepping out into a different direction um, and kind of getting um, my real life started so it, it really just depends I mean coming out of like an institution like Brown with um, the degree program that I'm in I have I can go a bunch of different directions and obviously you know the pay for many of those directions is very good and money isn't everything but you know early on in life is definitely I would say a consideration so no, absolutely really um, just comes down to yeah so I get and where 
kind of connecting dots with that is we talked about not being passive. How are you not being passive in that decision-making process? Are you kind of just, like, how do you sit with that feeling of, like, are you, I guess you're actively working on both with having that internship in the, in your career path while still playing really good hockey at Brown, but when the time comes, you're not, like, sitting and waiting around for one to happen. It's kind of just, like, which one comes naturally to you or, like, how do you think at the end of the day you're going to have to make this decision? That's a good question. Um, I mean, the biggest thing is I'm just putting in as much effort as I can to both. Um, right. You know, to school, um, to learning as much about markets and um, building models for financial markets as I can, um, you know, working as hard as I can for hockey as well. Um, a lot of my life is very stressful because I'm just go, go, go and all, uh, you know, in those three directions. but. Um, I think the biggest thing is I'm just actively working as hard as I can in all three of them and whichever one kind of presents itself down the line is the one I'm going to take and as I said earlier like it really doesn't matter which one um, comes up and which ones I have to let go because um, I, I enjoy I enjoy quant finance I enjoy um, hockey as well so um, it, it really doesn't matter to me, but like I said, you know, I'm, I'm, at this point in my life, I'm piecing, I'm piecing the puzzle together, and I'm, and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do, so, you know, a year, I don't know, I don't even know where I'm going to be a year and a half from now. I can't even think about it, because um, I, I literally have no idea, so maybe, you know, a year and a half from now, I have a, some other love that I'm super interested and passionate about uh, that I want to go into. Um, but it's really just being working as hard as I can and being prepared for when those opportunities and moments pop up in your life to be able to um, take full advantage of them. Right. Yeah. Agreed. We're kind of in this crazy, because I'm also the same age as you, where it's this crazy moment in life where it's like, okay, I'm putting in all the effort I can and working as hard as I can. And I'm at this crazy stage right now where it's like really time it feels like this crazy amount of pressure to like really decide on where I'm going next in life and it's kind of like if you just not sit back again don't be passive but like if you just kind of just stand in the present and realize just do that one percent every day work hard every day those answers will just naturally come to you and what's meant for you is meant for you and what's not is not type of thing I mean there's there's a famous quote and it's kind of cliche but it's i forget who said it but i think it's like the harder i work the luckier i get um and it's not necessarily luck it's just you're working hard so you're prepared for those moments and those opportunities as i said before so you know when it, when it comes down to what i'm going to do and which pathway i'm going to take it's just working as hard as i can in all three of them like trying to balance it as much as i can and whichever opportunity comes up i'm gonna take full advantage of so right. um so you said that your life is really stressful <laughs> quite stressful how do you quite stressful um good stress bad stress and how do you deal with the stress uh i mean it's all good things right like it's all first world problems at the end of the day um, <laughs> so I, I would say you know it, it's good stress at the end of the day um but I think the way I deal with it is just recognizing that, like, I, th I think this time and 
in my life and where I'm at right now and the age I'm at, like, it's good to be stressed and it's good to be pushing myself, like, kind of outside my comfort zone to my limit. You know, you, um, you kind of got to figure out um, where your boundaries are, like, where is your limit? When are you extending and extending yourself in too many different directions? When are you pushing yourself beyond your limits? And then you can find, what I find is you can kind of tell where those bounds are and then you can adjust and pull yourself just right within those bounds to kind of the optimal point. Um, so I am stressed, I am, you know, I, there's a lot going on, but um, I th like I said, I think it's good stress and I think, you know, pushing myself to the point where I can realize where my boundaries are is a good thing at this point in my life and it'll always serve me well in the next 10, 20, 30 years. Right, but I feel like also what's funny about you saying that is that you've gotten to where you are because you've pushed your boundaries so much physically and mentally, and going, you were just talking about, you are like, okay, I push myself, or like, I am able to push myself, push myself, and realize, okay, this is the boundary, I need to stop here, where you have reached such great heights with success in your life so far because I feel like you have pushed yourself beyond the boundary or beyond I mean I don't honestly asking this question it's kind of also in retrospect of me projecting how I feel about it because maybe you haven't pushed yourself beyond your boundaries but you've pushed yourself far beyond boundaries that a lot of other people would and do you ever like find yourself even in the thought process of that like oh wow a lot of people wouldn't be doing this and that's why I've gotten here I mean you can definitely use that those thoughts as like motivation like you know you're out doing this and I'm grinding here by myself you know you can kind of use that as motivation but I guess the biggest thing I would say is like as you gain more experience and more skills and um, more maturity you can you know your boundaries aren't static they don't they're not set in stone so like I can push myself out of my boundaries and then realize that I have and pull myself back just within those boundaries but if I stay there for a while I can get I get comfortable there and then I, now I'm I'm at that point I realize that I can comfortably you know push myself to this extent so then you know I can start testing it again and seeing if those boundaries have widened um, right. And, you know, you do that over, you know, a lot of that was through hockey in the early years of my life, and now it's with hockey and school and, you know, career opportunities. And, you know, it, it, it's a flow, you know. some Sometimes in life, you know, it's go, 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 and then you, you rest a little bit and kind of reflect on the past couple months, past year, and then... Um, you reset yourself and then go at it again and just you keep doing that over and over and over and eventually you know those boundaries are going to start expanding and expanding and expanding ever so slowly. Have you ever found yourself pushing that boundary way too far and has it gotten you to where you want it to go or does it feel like it derailed you a lot? Um... <laughs> I mean, definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, I think everyone's experienced pushing themselves too much. Um, you know, there was a semester, like, beginning of my sophomore year where 
um, my course load and that along with hockey was really getting too much so I decided to drop one of my classes and take a lighter course load that semester because I realized it was out of my out of my boundaries at that point um, but you know there, to be honest I can't really think of anything off the top of my head um, okay well I mean, going off of that you obviously have expectations for yourself so dropping that class was it kind of like oh that's weird like I had this expectation for myself that I would be able to hold on to this boundary and be able to do all this but actually I can't and did you reassess there and how did you reassess I mean the biggest thing was just I realized that I overestimated at that point in time right and then I just kind of started at, at that point you know even though I dropped the class you know it wasn't like I was in bad academic standing um, right. it wasn't really a big effect um, on school or hockey at that point so it was just kind of reassessing and uh, kind of reflecting on again what my limits were at that point in time and um, I journal a lot so that, so that helps uh, to reflect on it and um, yeah and then I just you know from there on it, it was just from you can you know people say you don't want to live with regret but I disagree where it's like you want regret because then you learn from it uh, right. If you don't have regrets, like you don't learn anything. So, I you know I realized with that that I was I was out of my boundaries there, and I was pushing myself way too hard. Um, so then the future, I was I'm very like conscious of that now, so I don't make the same mistake again. Um, right. You know, and maybe in the in the future I get to the point where I can do that course load, and I, I probably could at this point. Um, but it's also you know if if you don't have to, why would I? Add, I have so much stress in my life. Why would, even if I could do it, why would I add more mental stress? Right, so. yeah. I know, I feel like a lot of us want to <coughs> keep, adding, keep adding more to our plate because it feels like it's going to get us further when realistically taking a couple things off your plate right now might get you even further. No, and, and I agree with that. I was talking to... His name's Sal Abbasi. He used to be, you know, the head credit co-on at, at a firm called Citadel recently. And we were talking about um, shortening your to-do list almost. So a lot of people have, you know, these huge extensive to-do lists. And I'm a huge fan of to-do lists um, in general. Huge but fan. Huge, <laughs> huge fan. Huge. Um. <laughs> I, would be no, I would be nowhere without my to-do list. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you have, you know, this big to-do list and then, you know, you're planning out your day and you're trying to get... 10, 12 things marked off of it. And that can really kind of have like, it's really almost like negative at that point. Like if you can get it done and they're small tasks and yeah, of course do it. Um, but a lot of times I would be trying to do that and it's like, well, where do I start? Like, you know, like Larry, where do I start? And it causes you yeah. to kind of procrastinate. And then when you see at the end of the day, you don't have all that stuff marked off. You kind of feel horrible about yourself. It's right. kind of this like, so you're like, oh, well, I have to do more tomorrow. And then it's kind of this loop. Whereas what we were talking about is shortening that to-do list, you know, one to three things. What's my one thing? What are my two things? What are my three things right. that are like my main priorities that if I get this done, then like 80% um, of my stress or workload is taken care of. So right. it's really right. just like kind of shortening that to-do list. Have I mentioned Andy Frisella to you before? No, you haven't. No. Um, <laughs> Who the fuck is that guy? Andy Frisella is the founder of First Form, which is like a supplement health and wellness brand type of beat. 
but he does a lot of motivational speaking and he has a cool podcast as well that I got into and one of his episodes was purely on the power list and the power list is basically like the night before or the morning of like create five things that you need to get done during your day and at the end of the day if you completed those things and cross them off and write a W and if you didn't cross them off and write an L like you either won the day or you lost the day and like you'll find yourself winning a lot of days if you just like create those five core things that you need to get done and then you just feel a lot more productive and you build confidence and effort around your life more and more because you're like oh wow I'm like really getting stuff done I'm able to really focus in on these things instead of feeling like completely scatterbrained over the this like 10 to do list that I need to do within my whole day you know mm-hmm. and, and, and I also think it's a skill too you know it's, it's a skill to be able to recognize what the true pi- priorities are you know and what gets you like I said that 80% of the way there um, with honestly 20% of the work um, so it, it, I, th- I do think it is a skill but if you are consistent with it over time like you're going to develop that skill just like any other and like you said you're going to start winning more days and not being a loser <laughs> don't be a loser shorten your to-do list shorten your to-do list <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, okay so I don't know if I want to talk to you first about meditation and journaling or about how you're not on social media, but I feel like the social media one's kind of a short conversation for you. Like, Mm -hmm. so when did you, so again, for everyone listening, Matt's not on anything but Snapchat. When did you get the idea to do that? And (laughs) he's currently throwing like some fists up in the air as is like victorious of it. Um, It is a flex. Have you been seeing those things? There's like videos on TikTok and it's like when he doesn't have any social media presence at all. Like he's a six, but he doesn't have any social media presence. He's an 11. (laughs) Um, I mean, I haven't seen those videos because I'm not on social media. Right, right. but yeah, yeah too, so I mean, when did you decide to do that? Yeah, so it was actually over COVID as well. Um, and I guess there was multiple things that kind of influenced it. The biggest one was actually advice that I got from one of my mentors, one of our mutual friends, uh, Tim Mauricio. Um, <laughs> it was actually in the context of hockey when he said this to me. He said, take more from the game than the game takes from you. Um, because, you know, Hockey's given a lot to me, but it's also taken a lot from me, and I've had to make a lot of sacrifices. Um, and, and one day I was just thinking about that and the advice he gave me, and I was like, why don't I start applying this to other areas of my life? And I started to do that, and one of those was social media, because I was like, this, like, social media, really, I, I have, like, no benefit from it. Like, what am I actually gaining? I mean, Snapchat, obviously, I'm there's people I have on Snapchat that I don't have their numbers and it's a way for me to communicate right. with them um, but as far as like Instagram TikTok yeah it's entertaining but am I really getting anything from that no and all it's really doing is wasting my time um, right. and as someone who doesn't have too much time to waste um, <laughs> it was just kind of like a net a net negative in my life so um, that was one main reason another thing was I would recommend to everyone listening to watch the Netflix um, documentary, The Social Dilemma, and seeing how, you know, there's literally teams of PhDs and engineers that their whole goal is to get you addicted to just the screen and social media and to 
stay on their app because the more you're on their app, the more ads they can show you and the more revenue they get. Um, you know, they're just reverse engineering human psychology to get you to stay on and that was really eye-opening. Um, and then the third thing I would say is just, I, you know, you want to surround yourself with good people and a lot of people in my close friend group, um, you know, did this before me and and recommended it to me. So I think all those three together, I was just like, you know, I'm not getting anything from it. Um, and I don't really want to waste my time anymore. So I, you know, deleted Instagram, deleted um, TikTok, and I, I, re I do technically have a Twitter. I will say I do technically have a Twitter, but I had basically what I did was I, I deleted my old one. I made a new one. Um, there's one person following me right now, which was the CIO of the company that I interned for. Um, no one else follows me, and all I do is follow, you know, people in quantitative finance and you know portfolio managers with the career path I kind of am interested in at this moment. So when I, you know, setting it up that way, it does add value to me because it's, right. I'm learning from it, you know, it's topics that are actually going to benefit me later in life. It's not, you know, randomness um, right. and memes and memes are great and, you know, <laughs> funny videos, but um, at the end of the day, you know, it came back to take more from social media than it takes from you. So. Right. What are like, the top three lessons you say that you got from it once you exited it? Like those first couple of months, the lessons that you, that kind of clicked with you, like, oh, like, because I don't have this, this is happening? Or in the sense of like, because I did have it, like, well, I guess you just touched on that, but like, when you don't have it, kind of what are the top three things that you tell people about that feeling? Because I feel like a lot of people don't know what that feeling is, me included, but I also, gain a lot from social media just because mm -hmm. I get a lot of like job opportunity off of that off of like the artwork that I do and connecting myself with other people I do a lot of networking on that those apps I would say but obviously there are moments in time where I do find it taking a lot of my time for absolutely no reason and as I've matured mm -hmm. through that I've realized that and um but getting off from me <laughs> what are like, no, the I top three things that you've learned from that well, the first thing I'd like to comment on is by no means am I saying, you know, it's totally bad. Like, social media isn't, you know, all negative. Like, I actually, this internship I got this summer, I got through Twitter. I DM'd oh, yeah. the, the CIO, Dep like, my resume through Twitter DMs, and, like, I got the internships. Good for you. Yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying. I'll, I could go on for days, honestly, about how I think social media is good but I can also go on for days about how it's bad and honestly the only way that social media is good is if you yourself have a strong mindset and you're disciplined in it and know how to work it like it can be bad if you all you do is follow meme accounts and influencers and all of that but it can be good if you follow people such as that company that gives you information that's valuable to your life or other people that you can mm -hmm. network with that are in your circle and are going to positively impact you no, for sure. It, it's all about the way you use it at the end of the day. So as you stated, like if you're using it for memes and, you know, seeing hot chicks, like uh, I, hopefully that has a good effect on your life. But it, it did for me. And um, but, if, you know, if you're using it to make you know business connections or to find, you know, opportunities for like some consulting job or to network your company, then like, you know, by all means do that. Um, but I would say like 
going back to your question about you know the top three things I noticed, um, I might have to shorten that to just top two, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, go but for it. The first thing was was definitely, and the point two is definitely more noteworthy. But the first one was just as, as I say, like I I just had more time. I mean, you know, I track my screen time on my phone every week, and like, you know, you get off social media and you're seeing that like your screen time's down 35 percent 40 percent 50 percent you know and you're like holy crap like I wasted so much time right. you know and you can then take that time and put it to kind of um to topics and things that add value to your life so that was the one thing was just that I had way more time on my hands also, what I find interesting about that subject and kind of connecting back to using social media in a good way is that a lot of people feel like they're using it in a good way and they're reading all these things like, this is how you meditate and here are some like ways you can meditate or different workouts or really good advice, but it's only how you apply those to your life. Like meditation, it's great if you're learning about it, but are you actively in, like involving yourself in it? Are you actually doing it? Or are you just like doing all these reading, like reading up on it or watching like a short TikTok on it? Which yeah. I am one to advocate for. I think it's great people are even involving themselves in it. I mean, maybe you're not active, but it's great you're even like having your mindset around it. But at the same time, there's a point where you need to like step away from the book, step away from the screen or the learning environment and really actively participate in that environment. I mean, it goes back to what you're saying about the active versus the passive. You know, if you're just kind of thinking about it and reading about it, you know, you, there's only so much you can learn and so much you can gain from it. But like you really, you see the impact when you start doing it for yourself and experiencing it. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're seeing stuff, how to meditate, how to do this, advice for this, like that's great. But until you start applying that in the real world, it's not gonna influence your life at all, really. Um, but yeah, and the second thing I would say is just that I was happier. I mean, I, I feel like with social media, when I had it, the big thing was just FOMO and the fear of missing out of what other people are doing you know, what What am I missing, what's going on, and then you step away from it, and you're like, wait, I'm not missing, like, anything, like, li literally nothing, like, the world is still going on, and my life's really good, so, right. yeah, the, the biggest thing was just, like, that I was more happy, you know, and I wasn't, there, there's a certain sense of, like, FOMO and fear of missing out. Um, when you're on social media and uh, like constantly having to check it who posted this what are, what is this person doing what you know and you spend so much time on like captions too and all this random stuff and I think like I honestly think I saw this clip of Elon Musk and he put it like perfectly it's like if you're posting something on Instagram you're posting it at the happiest time of your life and you're posting a picture that's <laughs> when you're the most good looking as well so when you're scrolling through Instagram and all your friends, it's all of their happiest, prettiest moments. Right, and it can really have real. like a men yeah, and it can have like a mental effect on you because you're like, well, I'm not that pretty, and I'm not that happy, and all these people look super happy, right? Yeah, and pretty. Well, so it's like, and it starts, you know, you you can start really putting yourself down. So. Well, what's interesting about that too is like, yeah, you get this FOMO and comparing yourself almost or like comparing yourself physically but also 
what I found myself doing, which I've gotten out of completely, (laughs) is why I'm running this type of podcast, is the fact of, like, looking at someone and realizing that they are achieving these great things and doing these crazy things, and I'm like, should I be doing that? Is that the point that I should be at in my life? Like, am I doing something wrong? And it's like, no, I'm on my own path. Like, I'm so happy for them. I think that's also the key in all this is realizing that, like, to be successful, you need to be happy that other people are being successful as well. And just realizing, like, oh, wow, I'm actually, instead of comparing myself to this person that they just made this great accomplishment. I know that I'm working hard towards other accomplishments that are different and I'm in the working hard phase or like I'm in the effort phase and just like stop comparing yourself to where other people are at in life because everyone has such a different path and such different peaks at where they are in life and social media, it's so easily put on your subconscious that you need to be achieving the same amount as everyone else at the same time when that's just like so false that's just not real life Mm, yeah and another thing i would say that as well is like you're comparing yourself to people that like you don't even care about that you don't talk to that have no effect on your life like something that i noticed was like you know if you see someone else's accomplishments and Uh, you know so say I see someone else's accomplishments and I get jealous or like fear of missing out over that a lot of times when I looked at objectively that person wasn't really my friend at all because what I noticed on the flip side when it was my friend I didn't have any feeling of jealousy or fear of missing out because they were truly my friend and I was happy for them for succeeding so that's another part of it I would say is just you know you're stressing yourself out over someone who like you literally probably don't like right that you don't care about right so. um yeah I feel like that could be your third point actually is realizing who your true friends are like who you felt like you got off the social media but you still felt a drive to keep in communication with them and vice versa in the sense of they felt the need and like drive to stay in communications with you and that's definitely how you wean out who's going to really be there for you or who you really want to be there for. The second thing that I would love to ask you about is meditation. How, like, where did that journey start for you and why? So, I guess, like, my mindfulness practice started back um, at the beginning of COVID, actually. Um, I think I talked to you about, um, you know, how stressful that was um, for me in juniors right before that. Um... And I was struggling a lot, like, mentally, so I started, you know, kind of researching some different things to help out, and a a lot of stuff kind of converged right to, like, meditation. Um, So So I started meditating, like, Sorry, not to interrupt, but, like, so basically you're doing research, like, yo, I'm not in a good mental headspace, and just all the answers for you and your experience pointed towards meditation, and you're like, okay, I'm really going to give this a shot. Well, I mean, no, it, it was more just like I was looking up, like, different things to kind of help um, improve, like, my mental state at the time. And, and the thing is, there's a lot of, like, tools, I guess you could say, like, a lot of um, different techniques that are just, like, kind of tools in the, two bo- in the toolbox. But, like, um, at least for me, everything kind of started pointing, like, the underlying theme of all those um tools kind of pointed towards meditation and like a mindfulness practice. Um, so I started researching more. 
yeah, so I started, basically I started meditating for, um, probably, you know, I built up over time, but I got into a routine of at least 20 minutes a day. So I would do like one session of 20 minutes and sometimes I would up that and do, you know, two sessions of 20 minutes. Sometimes I get up into, you know, an hour in one session. Um, it just kind of depended the day and when I was feeling that day, sometimes I'd, you know, split it up. Sometimes I'd do it all in one session, like I said, but um, yeah, slowly built that up and like, it was just fantastic. And I saw, you know, great results, at least for like for my mental health. Um, and it also helped, you know, cause I was removed from a stressful situation and I was kind of at home with nothing to do. So that was definitely another influence on it, but meditation definitely had like a good effect in my life. Um, and helped me out of a pretty deep hole that I, that I was in. Right. During that time of COVID it was actually insane because I feel like a lot of us have never experienced this iso- such isolation and we were able to either like pick up really good habits or pick up really bad habits. And we were just so lucky enough to pick up good habits and have the mental strength to do that. But COVID was just a crazy time. And I really wanted to ask you, like, if COVID didn't happen, would you think that you would like be able to find meditation the way that you did but it's even hard to ask that question because you know you can't just be like what if covid didn't happen you know it's such an impactful event on all of us yeah i mean i guess you really know i would say you know it would there's a possibility that i would have um but to the extent to which i did and developed that habit through covid um i would put the probability at like basically near zero (laughs) uh, of developing that kind of you know, habit, as I said. And, um, so, um, so you developing this habit, um, like, what was the process of you doing that? Like, what was the mental state that got you there? Because you're saying that your rookie numbers were basically 20 minutes, which a lot of people struggle to even get to 10 minutes a lot of the time. How did you like develop all of that and kind of the mental mindset that you had to put through, put yourself through? Um, it wasn't even like developing it. It was more just, I have nothing to do. And if I can't, if I don't have the discipline to sit myself down for 20 minutes and just sit there, um, you know, even if it was, you know, quote unquote, a good session or not, like if I don't have that discipline, then like, how can I ever expect to get better at all? Really? Right. Um, that was the kind of the mindset I was in. And like, I didn't know where that journey was going to take me. Um, but that's really all I was thinking about. And, you know, obviously through that, some days were more challenging than others. Um, some days are more productive than others, but, um, you know, over time you slowly start, um, getting better and better at it. Um, and you start noticing obviously a bunch of different things about your own person and, um, kind of the negative thoughts that you can, and like feedback loops you can get into. Um, what's interesting about but that. What's interesting about that is that I feel like being such an athlete as you are through the years, you really have worked and practiced on your physical development and so on and so on. Was this the first time that you were like really able to track your progress mentally, would you say? Um, yeah, def- actually, yeah. Because um, the biggest thing, like the way I kind of tracked my progress, which um, – I don't see people like talking about, about enough, but <coughs> excuse me. Um, I don't see people like talking about it enough, but I mean, you know, people sit down and practice mindfulness or meditate for however long that is. 
And after that session, they're just kind of like done with it. Um, but what people don't realize is like the goal, like the goal of meditation, as at least in my opinion, isn't like to sit there and meditate for a certain amount of time a day, like during the day. It's more of making your yourself more mindful throughout life. So like you can practice mindfulness and look at your thoughts, feelings, and actions objectively as you're going out like throughout your daily activities. So like you're folding your clothes, you can be mindful doing that. Eating food, you can be mindful during that. So I really kind of to tie this back, I was really just tracking my progress almost um, through kind of the the amount of times where I became mindful during the day. So as I got better and better at it, I would find myself becoming mindful and kind of in that meditative state through arbitrary tasks throughout the day. And obviously as I kept developing that habit, I would see myself being mindful more and more. I think that's um, such a cool point actually, because being the nutrition major, I am a lot of research that we do is kind of like, why, why are people having nutritional problems? And a lot of it is people, again, just like down to the littlest issue of people just aren't mindful in their eating. Like one thing that we talk a lot about is it's really good to be in a social set setting while you're eating. Cause it's not just like you're sitting by yourself, like shoveling food into your face. Like you're able to kind of like sit down and slow the meal down and be more mindful with it. I love that point. And furthering that on is that as you're saying, you're just like basically strengthening your subconscious. Cause all of those things that you're listing are things that we're all able to do so subconsciously folding your laundry going on a walk um eating like it's such a subconscious thing to do but to be mindful while you do it just like strengthens that subconscious mind so much and then you can work on other issues in your life well and you can also there's also the flip side of it too where once you kind of start becoming more mindful throughout like your your day you can start to see yourself falling out of it too you know, cause there's times where it's like, have you ever like walked into a room and you're like, I know I came here for something, but I forget like what I came here for right. or like what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And it's like, those are moments where like, oh, my subconscious like really took over and I'm not like in the moment at all right now. Um, so you can kind of see yourself falling out of that as you have more and more of those like moments throughout your day or during the week. So it's really like once you start developing this, you can see yourself swaying to either side, dude, I would say. Dude, totally. I, ever since I was a kid, I would lose so many things. Like if my mom knew she was sending me to school in a sweater, the sweater was not coming home, probably on the playground somewhere, but I wouldn't know because <laughs> I lost it. And, um, yeah. but I mean, it could progress into like high school into the beginning of my college year. Like I was just like, so like kind of mindless with that stuff, but Honestly, ever since I started meditation, like strengthening the subconscious as we've been talking about, I, I don't lose as many things. I won't lie. <laughs> like not nearly. Yeah, hey, that's positive. <laughs> like it's such a silly thing I'm to happy, say. Yeah. It's like, okay, more like, yeah, congratulations. You're growing up and you're more mature now. But honestly, that's a subconscious weakness that I had and I strengthened it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we all have yeah. our different weaknesses and that was mine. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> Um, but so we actually have had quite a few chats about meditation. And one of the things that you, one of the things that you said in our last conversation that really struck me and resonated with me was that like, do not judge yourself. Like people sit, like have a hard time sitting there and it's just physically and mentally don't judge yourself. That just really resonated with me. Do you have anything else to say on that? And like how you practice that yourself? 
Well, I mean, you start to learn more about yourself, I guess, as you meditate. And like, for me, I'll tie this back. But for me, like, I find when I'm really tired, or I haven't gotten a good night of sleep, like, my practice of mindfulness kind of sucks. And I see my mind like wandering. And then like, I'm like, Oh, I got to get back on center, you know. Um, but my whole point with that was, you know, people sit down and most, you know, <clears throat> all you're really doing when you're meditating is just um, you're observing your thoughts, feelings, and actions from an, like an unbiased and an unjudgmental, in an unbiased and unjudgmental way. Um, you know, so people are always, you know, getting mad at themselves if they get off center and it's like, no, don't be mad at yourself. It happens. Just get right back on and try your best to keep going forward. Um, you know, and people will get all, you know, <laughs> get their uh, panties in a twist <laughs> <laughs> because they're like, am I, you know, they're, they're overthinking. They're like, am I doing this right? Right. You know, or like, I, I don't know how to meditate right. Or like, I wasn't good at it. And it's like, it's not something like it. It is a skill, but at the same time, it's not. It's like, there's, you know, you're not, it's not like you're not trying to have thoughts. Right. You're trying to observe your thoughts, rather. Um, the one uh, thing that my so, uh, yoga instructor, coach, whatever, um, says to me a lot is do not react. And that really ties into the whole judgment thing where it's like, okay, say that you're getting like upset with yourself for getting off center or something. That's just you reacting to your own thoughts. So like, if you can just sit there and not react, like, I don't know, I think, finding the words that work for you is also super important and like what resonates with you but this kind of all fall into the same category of like you're you need to just like sit there and observe your thoughts i mean a lot of i would just say that like a lot of life and a lot of situations that you're in are uncomfortable and the more you can get used to that and the more that you don't freak out when you're in with that uncomfortable situation like the better you're going to be able to respond to whatever it is right not reacting Uh, and yeah yeah so i guess it would just like that's why people do you know you see people taking oh i i take a cold shower for 30 seconds every single morning and it's like okay but like the whole point of that is you know that cold water hits you and you're trying to teach yourself not to freak out (laughs) while you're in the cold shower um, so, th- I mean, I guess that's my opinion on it. It's just like, get, it's not like getting comfortable being uncomfortable, but more getting used to being uncomfortable because the more used, like the user you, is that the word user you are to it, you know, the better you're going to react in those situations. Yeah. The more comfortable you are with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, one more point I would add on to this is that a lot of people, as I mentioned before, like a lot of people will get upset when their mind like wanders or it's like wandering more than usual and they're like, uh, like get back to center. Um, but what people don't realize is like, that's also some of the best times to like learn something about yourself. You say like you're, you keep getting off center and you keep, your mind keeps wandering, like just stopping and seeing like, where am I wandering? Where's my mind going to? And like, usually if it keeps like wandering off during like, um, you know, a 20 minute session or say, or like whatever session it is, um, you'll start to see that you, your mind usually starts to wander towards like the same subject or the same topic, the same like 
future situation or maybe it's like to a past situation that's like kind of haunting you at the time right um so you can kind of start to learn like where's my mind going and then you can start realize like why is my mind going there well yeah let me ask you that is when you do see your mind wandering somewhere a lot i know we say don't react but when me personally okay so speaking from my own personal experiences like when i see my mind wandering to something a lot and i'm like not a fan of that thought Obviously, my body's like, I don't want to deal with that, but you, I do have to. How do you deal with those type of thoughts if you have such thoughts, like thoughts that you're just like, I don't want this to be a part of me anymore, but it's here and I have to face it? Like, how are you facing that? If you if that's a situation you encounter. Oh, I mean, like, I guess it's like all in context. Right. Like, I guess it depends like a lot of times, at least for me. I notice that my mind always kind of starts, usually it wanders to the future. And that's usually because I have a lot going on and I'm stressed about the future and all the stuff I have to do over yeah. the next coming days. Um, no, that's super interesting, so, seriously, because I my mind wanders a lot to the past. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, at least, like, trying to, like, kind of cope with that, um, it's more just, like I said, um, unemotionally and unjudgmentally like recognize like oh i'm stressed about that um seeing my mind is going to the future and just noticing that like oh i keep going to the future to this specific topic but then after i realized that again it's trying to pull myself back to like this present moment now right um because like at least for me like you know the, the stuff i have to do and the deadlines i have um you know those aren't going away but at yeah. least in this current moment right here i have nothing better to do yeah that reminds me a lot of um this tattoo i saw the other day that was just like wow that is so rad and it was basically this pawn and chest looking into a mirror and then the other side of the reflection was the king chess piece and it was basically like yeah. you need to make all these little moves in order to like create that type of success and i liked the meaning behind it i guess or the meaning that i created but um, that's kind of what I think you're saying in the sense of, I mean, obviously we're not talking chess here, but, um, you know, just like staying in this present moment, you're going to be able to like make all these little steps in order to get to that future moment that you really want a lot. But in saying that, not to like go on a tangent about it, but you can't just like stay in the present and only think about the present. Like you do need to be thinking about the future things that you need to like that you want to accomplish and that's how you stay in the present of like okay i want to accomplish that but in the present moment like i need to be accomplishing these small details in order to get there i mean there's pros and cons to everything and like kind of everything in moderation right so like you know looking in the to connect this back like looking in the past like you can learn a lot from your mistakes by like looking at your past and kind of reflecting on that um and then also like looking to the future kind of um to what you're saying about that chest tattoo like um there's a quote that I heard where it's like, you know, you're about a hundred chess moves away from your goal and where you want to be. So it's like looking to the future isn't bad. Like if you want to plan out those little chess moves, but as you're making like the one chess move in the sequence, like that's the time to kind of be present in the moment. So once, you know, if that's mapped out, you know, focus on the next chess move, I guess. Cause if we really want to be talking chess, you have an opponent in the game who's also making moves. So now your future plans have, got to go because you know there's a an opponent playing i don't know life the universe whatever you want to call it but like shit's always changing on you and 
Of course. Anyway, okay. enough with the chess talk. I gotta get out of this. I can talk chess. I used to play chess all the time. I was literally just about to say, weren't you a big chess person? Yeah, yeah, yeah I played nerd. chess a lot. <laughs> I would sit there and do like online. There's, it's called chess.com, and there's like all these tactics and like little puzzle games, and I would just sit there for like half an hour and play like tactics. Oh, dude, so. um, my friend Gavin and Marco play like a ton, and like. We'll always be in a big group of friends. Like we did a road trip from Northern California to Northern California to Montana one time, and we're all sitting in the car like chit chatting and like playing music. And these Gavin and Mark are just in the back playing each other on uh, the app. It was so funny. Then they got a bunch of other people in on it, and I was just like, I was the I was like the little kid in my family who always cheated at chess. So my ego, I can't accept chess yet. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Love that. Do you do any guided meditations? Oh, I mean, there's a time and a place, at least right. for me. Like, some people like guided meditations, like, more than others. At least for me, when I started, you know, developing the practice in COVID, I, I did it without guidance, and I just sat there with myself, and um, that's how I started, and that's kind of the way that I prefer now. I don't, th- like, I don't see any wrong with guided meditation. Um you know and you know on the off chance i'll do it um but a lot of times my preferred way is just to sit there with myself in silence yeah, yeah. sick i i do guided meditations in the morning just because i find that my mental state is just like it's easier for someone to be telling me what to do at that time and then i'm able to really wake up but it's more in the evening well, also, time. also like i know you have a practice as well but maybe someone who like kind of want to wants to start off like a guided meditation is really good because like as your mind wanders like that the guidance can help pull like make you realize that your mind wandered and kind of help pull you back to center when you're just getting started absolutely and if anyone's out there like wanting to try and you don't know the deal i personally use the app insight i-n-s-i-g-h-t i'll put it below but it like really is an awesome app and you can actually get your friends on there so it's kind of like a social network but it's not like the stress of it like you're not trying to prove anything it's just kind of like edging each other on of like hey like good job finishing this but it provides like timers and different noises to put with your timers like you can put a timer at 15 minutes but then put these like little singing bells at two minutes three minutes just to like track like how far you've gotten without having to check your timer because a lot of people will be meditating and they're like damn how fucking long has it been let me check my timer and so that app really helps you just like stay present in that. And then also they provide a ton of super helpful guided meditations. But Insight Timer is where it's at. <laughs> sponsor us. Yeah, no sponsor us, Insight Timer, please. I use you. Actually, though, I'm about to hit 100 consecutive days on that app. I'm about to get a trophy. What's up? They have their reward dopamine system on that, on that app. <laughs> um. Okay, so you're super into meditation. So, I'm just gonna take a guess. You journal occasionally. I journal every now and then. Uh, every now and then he dabbles in the journaling. I the journal. Um, what got you started on that? Were you a big writer before? Because you're a big numbers guy, I want to say. So, for people who are more into like the math or like want to paint or something, they're not too keen on writing. So, how'd you get into that? Um, I found like it kind of ties back into what I was talking about before, where there's a bunch of techniques, um, 
that you can use, but you need to find like the underlying like kind of fundamental principle that brings it all together. Um, and drawing is a technique that like a lot of people use to try like, um, you know, it, you can use journaling so many ways, like, you know, kind of as a meditation um, or to organize your life or to set goals or the list goes on. But um, for me, I really got into it just because like, I'm balancing a good amount of things right now. And I wanted something that was kind of like concrete. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, when life gets hectic and, you know, you're on your path, but sometimes, you know, the winds take you off your path and life can get, like I said, really hectic. Um, so I really got into journaling. It's not necessarily journaling, but I have a journal basically where it's like kind of my one-stop shop for everything. And it's kind of like the rock in my life. So whenever life gets hectic, I can pull myself back to that journal. Um, and I have something like concrete. Um to kind of get me back on track and guide me. Super interesting. Yeah, I, um, I'm a big fan of journaling as well. I actually have, uh, I don't know, I'm a big fan of journaling, like, my thoughts and feelings on stuff, and I would consider myself a pretty emotional person. So I do and have I, a, Right, and so I do have a journal for that, but I do have a whole entire separate journal just for, like, um, writing quotes that I like are inspirational stuff or writing notes from podcasts because like I don't know it's inspiring to see my progress on that as well and stuff like that so I do keep like a little note two separate ones so journaling is kind of just so different for everyone and I think it can be a little timid intimidating sometimes for some people because they don't know how to approach the situation as well but again like starting off that meditation journey you just have to like be not non-judgmental of yourself and just just do something that really helps you out. Like for me, my journals kind of evolved over the years, I would say, but at least the point where it's at now, you know, I have like a little bit of everything. So, you know, I have some quotes I've written down on the front cover that I really like. Um, there's a study done by a nurse um, about the five biggest regrets people have on their deathbed, um, which I've written in there and I try to read um, as consistently as I can. Um, you know, I have, I don't do affirmations too often, but I have affirmations in there. Um, my whys, like kind of like my underlying drivers in life, um, kind of a manifesto of like, I'm writing about myself in third person of kind of who I want to be, um, and who I have to be to kind of achieve the goals that I have and my actual goals written down in there. Um, other than that, you know, it's kind of like a smorgasbord of stuff. Like I'll have. <laughs> daily to-do list in there. Um, I'll have weekly, you know, to-do list in there. And then, you know, some pages is just, it's honestly, it's usually when I'm pissed off. <laughs> uh, but I'll have random pages in there where I just have to get like my thoughts out of my head. And yeah. it's more just like, I'm not thinking about grammar. I'm not thinking about, you know, anything along those lines or having legible handwriting. I'm just spewing Go, myself. Going for it. Yeah, yeah. I just have to get those stuff out of my head, and um, I'll have like other journal sessions where I'll, you know, I'll have like a really cool life experience, and I'll kind of reflect on that. Yeah. Um, so as I said before, it's kind of like a one-stop shop for everything. I've had multiple journals. Like once one gets filled up, obviously I get a new one. But like I said, I, I kind of like to keep it where when life gets hectic, I can come back to it and be like, here are my goals that I've outlined for the next, you know 
one or the next year, three years, five years end goal. Um, this is who I want to be. Um, this is my weekly to do list, my daily to do list. Um, and then other little reflections that I've had throughout, um, the recent past. So. Right. Um, speaking about you, like wanting to get thoughts out or like you having anger, like when you have anger and frustration, how do you deal with that? Cause I was just, um, there's two things I want to mention. There's one, and it's basically like the Dalai Lama was talking about how when he, like when you experience anger that you, so it's basically two theories. I'm not saying like I agree with either or disagree with either, but these are two theories I've recently heard about. And so Dalai Lama being like anger should be combated with like compassion and patience. And then the other one was anger is like basically a gut feeling of your body telling you like, something needs to change right now and like you kind of have to take hold of that or else it's just going to like keep tumbling like your body telling you like you need to change something about yourself basically is that what that theory was saying i mean at least for me like meditation has also helped being able to realize when i'm in that state and going oh i probably shouldn't make any decisions (laughs) um do you, often, a lot of time, do you often follow that? Do you often chill out? Some days better than others. Um, <laughs> hey, man, it's, lot, progress isn't linear. Yeah, a, a lot of times, like, to be honest, I don't, like, take it out. I like, don't, like, punch a wall or something. A lot of times I take it out with, like, food. I'm like, I'm going to get a burrito right now. <laughs> That's how I rationalize it. Like, Mex- is Mexican food your case? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's just me. So like, like I said, some days I recognize it and I like can chill out and then, um, kind of see like, you know, why am I mad right now? And it's usually just an ego thing. Um, and that can chill me out a lot, but other times I just, like I said, I'll go and eat. And then by the time I'm done eating, I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot, you know, or there's, there's no reason to I am not promoting, I'm not promoting stress binge eating on here for anyone listening. <laughs> that is not what I'm promoting. But <laughs> if that's how Matt wants to deal with it, Matt can deal with it like that. <laughs> hey, I mean, I can't gain weight. Hey, man, I just, I, had, to, I had to point that out to my viewers just for safety. <laughs> it's really not like, it's not like a woo-woo thing either. It's not like... I don't know. People, I think, well, they think about meditation. They kind of visualize like a Buddhist in a cave. Yeah. You know, oh, right. And, and oh, that's actually and part of the like, reason why I really want to talk to you about this, specifically for the viewers, is to kind of like create an open setting. Like you are in a like very professional athletic setting in the East Coast. And so. I think you're opening up like a ground for other people to get more comfortable with that and like see it less as a wooey monk thing and more of a like no successful normal day business people athletes are doing stuff like this in order to get ahead of the game and like have a good mental state so yeah i mean it's not even like to get ahead of the game with my athletics more just for my own like kind of mental health at the end of the day i mean you can look up studies about how you know it's helped like meditation has helped so much with and and they've done empirical studies on this with stress with anxiety depression 
um, you know, depression and cancer patients. Like, you know, um, in some studies, like a meditation practice actually helps more than antidepressants. Um, and obviously, you know, that's not like, it's a study and there needs to be like a lot more data on it. And it's something that's hard uh, to get that data on. Um, but empirically, like there's evidence that, you know, this stuff has a really good effect on uh, a positive effect on mental health and mental well-being. Um, so it's less about, you know, trying to perform better and more just <laughs> trying to stay stable, no, you know, no, yeah. not get too stressed or I'm like actually um, super grateful that you pointed that out because that's a big thing uh, again someone who's been in the hockey world more often than I've been in any athletic any athletic any other athletic setting is um, a lot about what's talked about in the hockey world is mental health these last few years and I think that's just because there's a lot of pressure within the sport to perform really well and to do everything that you can to perform very well and for you to point out like no, I'm like not just doing this to perform really well. Like this is generally to like strengthen my well-being and like my mentality. So like maybe I will be performing better, but for the most part, it's to strengthen my mental health and how I feel about my everyday life because I'm more than just an athlete or I'm more than just a business person. Like I'm a human being who needs to have like feel good about life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you know, with meditation, you kind of take a step back. And like a bird's eye view of your life and your situation at that point whereas you know for me it's so easy a person in my situation you know with playing division one hockey and then you know applied math computer science at brown like it's so easy to just get caught up in everyday life and just the stresses of it and your assignments and your practicing game schedule and just start kind of going throughout life and just kind of survive without any forethought um so being able to take a step back from that kind of bird's eye view has been of tremendous benefit to me. Hell yeah. Okay, so one question that I really want to start opening up to my guests is yin and yang. And so yin and yang in the sense of what is something that you've overcome in the past and then what is something that you are looking to overcome soon and working on to overcome? It's a good question. Um, I think something that I've overcome in the past in my life has definitely been like the ability to let people go out of my life. Um, you know, as you grow older, um, people go on different life trajectories. Um, and some people that you kind of mesh with and vibe, vibed with previously might grow into a different person and you might grow in a separate direction where, you know, you don't really vibe with them anymore. Um, whether that's friends, girlfriends, colleagues. Um, and I struggle with that like a lot and early on in my life, just being able to let someone go or, you know, going to college, you're not seeing a bunch of your previous friends um, very often and they develop new friends and so do you. Um, so definitely realizing that like it's okay and this is what life is about. Um, I just read this yeah, thing yeah. recently where it was like every relationship you have is a lesson that you get to learn in life. So. Oh, that's a, that's a interesting quote. Isn't it? I find it very interesting as well. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, and I've learned a lot through friends that are still in my life and friends who have left. Um, but yeah, that, that's definitely one um, that I've I've gotten better at as I've gotten older and obviously I'm still like really young. Um, but that definitely affected me a lot earlier in life. Um, I guess one that I'm struggling through now that I'm trying that I'm sorting my way through is the concept of um, being misunderstood. You know, I think a lot of people, there's kind of like the subconscious and everyone where, you know, you're in this first person experience and like you, you want everyone around you to realize, you know, your goals, your pitfalls, why you do what you do, your motivations, desires, your struggles. And like, you know, some, it's just impossible to try to get everyone to understand that. Um, and kind of the things that make you an, an individual. Um, but yeah, just real, definitely just realizing that like, I'm going to be misunderstood more than I'm going to be understood. Um, you know, when it comes to different actions or things that I'm into or, um, screw ups that I have. So, um, I'm starting to kind of come around to it where I'm like, it's okay <laughs> that not everyone's kind of going to mesh with me. And, um, some people won't understand me and, um, Definitely. You know, even little things in conversation that get misunderstood. It's like, it's okay. It's just going to happen. And just letting that go and realizing that's also a part of life. Um, definitely the concept of, uh, like I give out, like the energy that I give out comes back to me type of situation. I mean, you're kind of saying a different thing, but to play off that in the sense of like, I'm giving off this energy. And if you don't understand it, then you're kind of just not on the same frequency. And that's kind of that you kind of, I mean, obviously you can still, (laughs) interact with that person but in the sense of like mm-hmm. you guys are kind of you can only meet someone as far as they as they have met themselves situation yeah i mean it's not like a black and white thing where right. it's like yeah oh, you're, not family. you're not in my life anymore right like, <laughs> <laughs> um you know but just realizing that like you know some other people might not mesh with you very well um and that's okay Um, yeah yeah I definitely don't want to see as a black and white thing because I do agree with the sense of every relationship is a lesson so kind of tying it to the the way that I was explaining all that was maybe they're not in the same frequency and they haven't met you as deep as you met yourself blah blah blah, vice versa but there's still something that both of you can learn from each other and Mm -hmm. the goal at the end of the day is to kind of like walk away feeling better about it um but what I want to say was, I was just listening to Jay Shetta because my last podcast guest, um, episode 10, he was talking about Jay Shetta. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to look into this guy. And one of the guys that he had on there, and I think it was Russell Brand. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I didn't see his name on like the description or anything, but his voice and his story, I was like, is this Russell Brand? But um, do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but he was talking about how... I am what you perceive me to be. And I know that doesn't really tie into what you're saying, but I just like thought about that and wanted to share it. But it was an interesting point and like kind of 
crazy in the sense of like I am only truly what people perceive me to be. It's hard to <clears throat> it's hard to change like people's perceptions once they already have them. Right. I guess it ties into my point as well, where it's like it is what it is at the end of the day. So being able to kind of get over that is something that you know I'm currently working through. Yeah. Um, I actually journaled about it once. I was probably pissed off. <laughs> Do you eat a burrito? No, probably because, <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Maura. More, thank you for having me. Yeah, more than stoked to have you on here. I know a couple of the homies are going to be super excited to listen to this episode. Um, yeah, and shout out to all of mine and Matt's high school friends. We miss you guys. <laughs> and love you guys. Love you guys. And we'll see you guys soon. Bye.